What's up, you guys? In this week's episode of the Undone Podcast, we are joined by Julius Boatwright, aka the Black Mental Health Guy. In honor of May being Mental Health Awareness Month, I thought that it would be important to continue having these conversations centered around mental health within the Black community. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and welcome to Undone. Um, Julius, I'm so excited to have you. Welcome to the Undone Podcast. I am a big fan of yours, so thank you for taking the time out to join us today. Definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. How are you? I'm well. I'm doing well, yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm the same. It's Tuesday, but it feels like Thursday for some reason. It feels like a long week for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> But here we are. Um, I think you are our first male guest, too, by the way. So wow. okay. shout out to you for being our first male. Yes. yes. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month, which is why I wanted to have you on. I was struck by your social media. You are known as the Black Mental Health Guy. And I thought that that name was, okay, I love this. I started following you. We follow each other. And I love the content that you out um basically encouraging motivating keeping us you know lifted if you will in spite of what's going on around us so i had to have you on the podcast to talk about you know mental health and the current state of mental health given the pandemic but as we transition out of the pandemic right because people are getting vaccinated i just recently got my vaccine and you can tell there's this sense of some people are wanting to go back into the real world. Some people are skeptical. So there's just a bunch of different, I just feel like it's, a, it's some unspokenness going on in the atmosphere, right? Yeah. So I'm excited to have an expert like you on today to talk, talk us through it. And I'm gonna introduce the people, the Undone um, community to you. Uh, Julius serves as the founder and chief executive officer with Still Smiling, Still Smiling, I'm sorry. They bridge the gap between Black people and mental health support through education, advocacy, and awareness. They're currently in a physical sponsor partnership with Neighborhood Allies. The strategic collaboration directly strengthens their financial management practices, board governance, governance procedures. I'm sorry, guys. I'm talking fast. I'm excited. <laughs> and program delivery framework. Uh, Julius and his team have consulted with and trained these partners, clients, um, Robert Morris University, the University of Pittsburgh Center for Urban Education. Um, their service efforts have been featured on media platforms such as NBC, The Today Show, NPR, The Huffington Post, and so much more. Um, Julius is a licensed master social worker who completed a trauma informed community practice workshop with okay help me pronounce this just this duquesne, duquesne <laughs> university through their department of psychology and rita mcginley clinic he obtained his master of social work degree with a certificate in human services management from the university of pittsburgh julius also earned a bachelor's degree in communication from pitt Lastly, Mr. Boatwright completed a one-year professional development program for nonprofit executives with leadership 
Pittsburgh and the California-based Rockwood Leadership Institute. So as you can see, guys, this is why I wanted the Black Mental Health guy on the podcast today. A round of applause for all of your accomplishments. I was going fast. I'm so excited to have you on. But talk to us about how you, what drew your interest into mental health and what sparked, you know, the need to get involved in this area? Yeah, so I've, I've had my own lived experiences and I'm very vocal about that as a black man. I know more black men are sharing their truth and their their triumphs and their struggles with mental health. And I tell that story. I know when I was a teenager, um, I was dealing with mental health challenges. I didn't really know what I was dealing with, mm-hmm. but I now I know that I was depressed. Mm. I was anxious. Um, and my family, we didn't talk about it there. I didn't, I didn't have any, any room or space to go and say, well, here's what I'm feeling right. because you know, my, they were providing what I needed. They were providing the necessities. So, just thinking back to when I was younger, I know I have my own story. Um, when I went to Pitt, you mentioned my, my time at Pitt. I had a dear friend that passed away and died by suicide when I was at Pitt. Wow. Uh, after we graduated, I should say, but I met him at Pitt. A young, charismatic black man, had a dream of becoming a filmmaker. And he was just my one of my best friends from college. And wow. when I look back on it, I think about all those moments of like, did I miss something? Was there something I could have said? So I, I really carry his light and his legacy in the work. Um, and Pittsburgh is, uh, this may be news to you, Ashley, and to the viewers, but it's not news to folks in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is one of the most racist places for people in America. Um, there was a report that was done that just said by virtue of black women moving out of Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. their quality of life improves just by virtue of moving out of this city. So the disparities and the the, the racial injustices and and inequities specifically around mental health Mm -hmm. and black people getting mental health support, I recognize that bright and early in my my career in the mental health field. So all those things kind of converge together in my my faith and my spirituality and said, this is, this is the the call on your life and the work that you're supposed to be doing. Wow. I have to ask you, because as I mentioned in the intro, I love your name, the black mental health guy. How did you come up with that name? Like what was that for you, that process of saying for Instagram in particular, you know, where people see a name and they're like, Oh, let me click this. What was your, inspiration behind that particular name for yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I, it, it was very uh, intentional. Mm-hmm. It, did, it did, you know, some inspiration played a part into it as well. I was the mental health guy mm. right? and, I'm, and I'm running this organization that focuses on black folks and their needs and, and our needs as it relates to mental health. And I'm like, you know what? I need to be more explicit and more focused about black people as it relates to mental health. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm I'm not just I'm not just talking about mental health. I'm right. talking about mental health as it's as it relates to the black experience. No, we're not we're not a monolith. There is just not one size fits all, but right. there are certain things that that resonate with us when it comes to some of this racial stuff and how we experience right. the world and navigate the world. And I just said I, I need to be more intentional about 
who I who I am and who I show up as in mm. these social media spaces. Wow. As you mentioned, mental health is one thing, right? But given Black people add on race to that, there's a whole other layer to the mental health that Black people are experiencing in particular. What have you found um, in, I will say, the last year? Because we've had a reckoning, right? We had the pandemic going on. At the same time, we had this racial reckoning happening there side by side, right? What what was your experience in dealing with Black people when they would come to you for, you know, how do I manage this? How do I continue to see Black bodies being murdered on the news, on social media, on a regular basis? That's not normal to see that, right? What has been your response and what has been your, um, you know, feedback from your clients or in your community, if you will, as it relates to Black people in mental health coupled with the pandemic? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I've been using these words so much over the past year, year and a half, grace, mm -hmm. mercy, and and giving people additional space to process because right? right. we're historically speaking right black folks have, have we know what we've gone through mm -hmm. and you take the pandemic and you take this racial reckoning that you spoke about mm -hmm. folks don't even know where to begin when it comes to processing the law now we're talking about job loss the loss of routine the loss of friendship Right. Their, their children and their nieces and nephews have loss of their relationships. So we, we're still trying to process this historical stuff. And right. now you have this current compounding trauma and right. stress and anxiety. So we're just trying to like stretch that process out for folks and say, we want to give you space, whether it's in some of our classes, mm -hmm. some of our support groups, show up as you are. Yes. We're, not, we're not going to put that additional pressure on you because we know the weight that you're bringing into this room. We know what you're bringing into this space. Right. So we're going to give you some grace and some space, and we want to help you develop those skills and those, those, that, those tools and that knowledge to then give your neighbors and your grandma and your aunt and your children that same grace and space. Because once we get out of this pandemic, mm -hmm. I think folks, particularly black folks, will start to be able to process on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Right now, let's just let's extend each other that that grace and that mercy and and go to therapy and learn about how to support ourselves and practice self-care and practice collective care. But like we got to give each other some grace right now because it's the onslaught that you mentioned. Right. It, it hasn't eased up even. Right. What it was, I think it might have been the same day that Derek Chauvin, the police officer who shot, uh, who murdered George Floyd. Correct. An hour or two later, there was, I think, a young black girl who was mm -hmm. murdered by a police officer in right. closer to us in like Ohio or something, right? So it was like, we got a moment to celebrate and to breathe. And then it was like, you turned the channel and it was like this just then. Right. So give ourselves that grace and that mercy because this 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 stuff is perpetual and we just have to um, create that space for ourselves to be grounded and to process. Louise, you talked about therapy and I wanna ask you about that because I have so many questions as it relates to therapy. 
and destigmatizing it, right? Especially within the Black community. But I think now more so than ever, we're having the conversation like we're doing today. We're talking about it more. It's not like, oh, you crazy or girl, go sit there, go pray about that, go go to church. I think that we're taking it more serious. But I want to know from your position with therapy, can you self-diagnose yourself? Can you say, or can you treat yourself? Can you self-diagnose mental health or mental illness? Like if you go on, if I went on Google and saw all of these symptoms and I said, oh, that's me, I'm, I have depression or I have anxiety. Can I then go from there and treat my own self and say, okay, well, I'm gonna practice self-care. or I'm gonna take a bath a little bit longer or is therapy the be all end all in terms of combating mental health? I want to know your position on that. Yeah, great question. I, I think it's a combination of, of both and maybe okay. something else sprinkled into it. Okay. So I would, if folks are doing that kind of research and they're okay. trying to learn a little bit more about what what is this that I'm feeling and you want to try to identify what it really is, okay. um, if folks are open to doing that, I think that's totally fine. I think it's what you do with that information once you get it that's mm equally as important, right? So again, I, I knew one, once I was able to get the language out, like, wow, Julius, you're, this looks like and feels like anxiety. This right. looks and feels like depression. So I had to go out and I had to I had to seek a, a, a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. And me even being a mental health professional, I couldn't self-care my way out of, me personally, I can't self-care my way out of childhood trauma. I can't self-care my way out of imposter syndrome. Right. I can't self-care my way out of fearing, you know, what's going to happen when I encounter the police. I need a, a professional to help me process that stuff. So mm -hmm. I think it, part of it is is doing that research, doing your due diligence, and then um, being equally as inquisitive and, and, and uh, wanting to try to find out about, okay, now what kind of resources are out there that can support me. And it may not be therapy. I'm I'm a running an organization that um, providing connections to therapy is like a big part of our nonprofit. Mm -hmm. But there are some people that they wanna uh, it's a it's a musical, you know, music therapy, it's art therapy, it's dance therapy, it's um, painting, it's it's these other things, maybe in in conjunction with actually seeing a therapist but i would never um i've learned to never say that therapy is the end all be all mm -hmm. and, it, and it you know and it, and it depends on the level of um support that someone needs if someone has severe mental illness and they need uh maybe they 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 are open to medication and seeing how that provides support to them that's something that you definitely need a trained licensed skilled professional to help you with who also understands where you are in life, your your lot in life as a person of color. Right. right. So it's not just they have the skills and the expertise, but do they know how to have a conversation with a black person? Right. Do, do they know how to actually help you navigate a system being a black or a brown person? Right. Um, so I, I think it's both. That's good, Julius. Um, Two things. I was watching, this is us earlier this year. I had an interview with Sterling. And so I was watching an episode. And in the episode, um, he talks about what you just said. He was going to an Asian therapist, I believe she was, 
but he wasn't connecting with that therapist. And he ended up severing ties with her and said that, and he ended up hiring or going with a black therapist so that they could relate. And then on the other point, my other side is I was also watching a documentary with Jimmy Lovato in which she was talking about how she was misdiagnosed with, um, I forget what it was, but a mental illness. She was misdiagnosed with bipolar, I believe it was. And that got me to thinking. So, you know, you have on one end, you know, where you want to get with a therapist that understands you, but then you have on the other end, and I think there are two different departments, right? Then you have on the other end where you're misdiagnosed. So you're going to therapy and you're being treated and you're not even, you know what I mean? How how does that how does that work? If you go to a doctor and the doctor tells you, okay, this is what it is. Here's your prescription. Go see uh, therapist B and, you know, get treatment. And they misdiagnose you. Like, how does that, I don't understand that part of it. Like, and I know doctors can make mistakes, right? But if you're going to go to a doctor to be treated or get tested for mental illness and given, again, the severity of mental illness in our country right now, and you're misdiagnosed, is that a failure to the system? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I have, I have a few um, in no particular order, but one is that unfortunately it does happen mm -hmm. that uh, mental health professionals do misdiagnose folks. Uh, we, we see a, a disproportionate rate, uh, particularly black children and black youth that mm -hmm. are misdiagnosed uh, because it's it's easy to slap a certain diagnosis on them um, because of maybe the perception that you see in the media or uh, traditionally what young black boys and girls have been diagnosed with. So we do see a lot of misdiagnoses in that space. Wow. Secondly, I, I would add that um, if you are as a, as, a, as a community member and an individual and as a human being, of sound mind to be able to advocate for yourself mm. you're always you, you the, the the consumer the client the community member we use those those terms interchangeably mm -hmm. if you have the ability and the willingness to do so and advocate for yourself i would encourage you to do that just because you get a diagnosis mm -hmm. from a mental health professional it doesn't mean that you have to just now embrace that diagnosis and wear that label, uh, you can say, how you know? How did you come up with this? What what really dig a little bit deeper to try to get that person to provide some literature or an explanation, and maybe say, well, you know what? I did my research, like we talked about earlier, and I think my symptoms more resemble this. You know, I think I think sometimes it's it's. Uh, I've actually never had that conversation with a doctor, doctor, right? I'm usually just like. All right, it's the doctor, so right. they should know what's best. So I think sometimes we have to just start saying, "I know you got your degrees and you've been to med school and all that other stuff, but let me tell you what my brain and my body are telling me and right. what I'm seeing. And let me, let me. I'm not questioning your authority or your expertise. I'm just trying to collaborate with you in this treatment for me, because ultimately it's my treatment. It's not mm -hmm. your treatment, right?" Um, so if folks feel comfortable doing that, I would encourage that. Um, and knowing that you could always get a second opinion. Yeah. You can always say, you know what, thank you for this. I'm actually gonna gonna contact another psychiatrist or another primary care physician and get a second opinion. It can't mm -hmm. hurt.
to do it if, if it's uh, financially feasible and you can right. do it with your time and your energy, get a second opinion. Wow, that's really good. Advocating for yourself and getting a second opinion. I really, I took that. I made a mental note of that. That's really good. Um, like you just um, stated, Julius, um, misdiagnosis is really happening and prevalent with youth and in particular Black youth. Um, according to Mental Health America, um, mental health within our youth has gotten worse. 9.7% of youth in the U.S. have severe major depression. Couple that with social media, TikTok, Instagram, the whole shebang. Is that healthy for our kids? Because it can be kind of unhealthy for me, and I'm a 37-year-old woman. Is social media, is there a right age to introduce social media to our kids? And is there a limit that we should have for our children and even for adults? What are your thoughts? I think so. Um, I think that there's a lot of value in social media. I also know me personally, I know the dark side of social media, meaning um, the value that we attach to it, right? It's our, it's our storefront. It's an extension of who we are in the story that we're, we're telling the universe about mm -hmm. ourselves, right? And at such a young age, when your, when your, your brain is still developing, you're still learning about who you are and really having that identity exploration, social media could pose as a detriment to that, right? And, in the, your, your, this image you think you need to uphold. So I think, um, I am not a parent, um, so I, you know, I, <laughs> I definitely want to. I want to also keep in mind that I know that um, there are struggles as a parent when it comes to um, time management and time on devices and all that. I know that 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 I see that through my mm -hmm. friends and people that I know that that's a struggle. I would uh, encourage though to be mindful of okay, yeah, how much time are, are our kids getting on social media? What what content are our young people getting through social media there are a lot of pages and profiles out there that you wouldn't want people looking at the content and then there are some that do put out quality uplifting right motivational right. educational content so um i think that as 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 mentors as uh parents as caregivers we do need to be intentional about um raising the level of awareness that our young people have with, hey, if you are using social media, which 99% of them are to right. some degree, let's let's be intentional and mindful about what you're following, what you're posting. Um, you know, there's a lot of like digital, digital social media manager careers mm -hmm. and stuff popping up. So people, it's their job to coach people on how to use social media. Right. So, you know, um, th think about that and, and how to how to leverage those resources. Even with adults, because there's this whole culture of, you know, keeping up with what everybody is doing, which is, you know, caused a lot of people, adults in particular, and even kids to feel like they're missing out on something, fear of missing out, FOMO, and fear of they're not at the level they that their friends are or the people they follow on social media. So they're, you know, doing all of these things that may be, you know, like legal or, all these other different aspects play into social media, I think. And it's a gift and a curse, right? Like you said, there are quality, there's quality content out there that uplifts like you, like your page. 
where you can go to be uplifted and resources and, you know, all kinds of good things. But there is a downside to social media and it's causing, I think, a lot of people to, you know, commit suicide or have this high anxiety level of, oh my God, I'm not doing enough or I'm not reaching the goal fast enough. Look what this person did. I'm not doing it. Um, what are your thoughts on that as it relates to this culture of keeping up and trying to stay afloat with what everybody else is doing in the world of social media? Yeah, I I am uh, admittedly on that journey myself, right? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> okay, we can be transparent, right? Yeah, yeah. And, right. And trying to under trying to show up as my most authentic self, right? right. And, and I'm. I'm really, really big on branding. I understand the value of it. So I, I I study those things. And if I'm posting something, there's a purpose behind it. I'm not, I'm not one to just like throw something out there and it doesn't have some kind of uh, intended message or value behind it. But I still struggle with, uh, am I showing up as my most authentic self? It, is what I'm sharing, am I trying to share it because I want people to think think something about me right. or feel a certain way about me? Or am I am I coming from a truly authentic place that is aligning with my my values and my personal vision and mission? And it, and it's it's just adding that good energy into mm-hmm. the universe. Right. And I still struggle with that because you know, it, you you get that dopamine from those likes. You get that Hello? you get that boost, right? And yes. that sometimes I think sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's okay to get love from your people and have that conversation that's uplifting. I think that's positive. What I when I think it gets dangerous is when you put all of your value in it. So and so didn't like what I posted today. Such and such blocked me. When right you get to that kind of thing, yes. that's like a that that can be detrimental to your to your to your overall well being and mental health. So you know, be be your authentic self, and if somebody likes it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. Right. Don't don't dig too deep into it because at the end of the day, they're not people on the social media aren't really posting their failures or posting like okay. They may post them how it started where we are, but they're not posting the in-between, you know, like what it really took to get to this moment. I think that that's really good. First Lady Michelle Obama recently talked to Gail King about, you know, last year she mentioned about having low-grade depression and everybody was in uproar. I don't know why. And she, you know, talked about like, yeah, we were in a pandemic and a racial, you know, upheaval in our country. So yeah, I was in I was experiencing low grade depression. And I want to find out from you as, you know, her being a high profile black woman, mental health mental illness, it doesn't pick and choose who it affects, right? Like you can be rich, you can be poor, you can be middle class. It does not pick and choose. And I think a lot of people think that, oh, if I reach this status. I'm fine. Can you speak to that a little bit, Julius? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I posted about it <laughs> and I was so excited and happy to see that that coming from the Michelle Obama and she was being transparent and it's like, okay, if y'all don't get the message, y'all being America, the world, right. everybody that y- you can't shield yourself 
from mental health challenges, right? right. It, it, it doesn't discriminate. And the fact that someone of the, 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 the stature of Michelle Obama and where she is in her life, if it can affect her in that way, then it can affect anybody in that way. And as a black woman, she was being intentional in choosing to speak about it. Cause she knew that speaking about it, there's little young girls and uh, women her age and mm -hmm. elders. She knew that it was gonna inspire some people. And I love, I love like vulnerability is one of my favorite words. Like when people are vulnerable in a way that it is authentic mm -hmm. and that's like, hey, I'm not perfect. You may see you may see this perfect social media highlight reel right. that appears to be perfect, but let me give you some some imperfect stuff. Mm. In I try to. I haven't done it much lately on on Instagram, particularly, mm -hmm. but I try to be intentional about giving people those moments where I'm like, y'all, I did, I missed the mark here, or I'm struggling with this, right? So people um, see mm -hmm. that. That I'm human, and that is, in, and I would hope that it would give other people permission to be vulnerable too. Like, wow, there's been something that's been on my heart that, right. and maybe you don't want to share it on social media. Maybe you just want to be vulnerable with your circle of friends, right. or maybe it's something you want to share with your your parent or exactly. someone you just want to. You, you need to tell them this thing, and they they might say, "Wow, I never knew. Like, I never knew that you were." you felt like you were depressed right? with your job. I see you with your car. I see you right. with your house. I see you're uh, catching flights. Like people <laughs> see that and they literally create this narrative about your life because of the story that you curate. Right. And they have no idea what happens when you, when you're at home, you know, late at night and having all these thoughts of, who am I? Where am I? What am I doing? Am I enough? Is this enough? Yes. yes. Those feelings of self-worth. So anytime I, I'm going to have to go back and look at that post. Cause I was really, I was like really, really excited about that. Julius, I have to ask you, I like that you said that. Is there healing in sharing, you know, not necessarily on social media in a public way, but even in a safe space, one-on-one -on -one with someone, is there healing in that? I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've experienced it personally. Um, what I had to go through a journey though, mm -hmm. because I got to a point where I was, I was re-traumatizing myself wow. because I was so, I couldn't see past the trauma, mm. like I couldn't see past the thing. And I got to a point where I finally got some distance from it. And I was like, oh, now you have an, a duty to tell your story differently right. you can't, I was telling it from a from a place of being the victim mm. and I could only tell it from that place because that's all I knew at that moment right, right? and it it helped me connect with people on a deeper level because they're like wow like I never knew you went through that and then they, they would open up to share their thing right and now I'm at a place where I'm like I'm not a victim mm. I, I experienced it and let me talk to people who may feel like they're a victim in a way that maybe raises their awareness a little bit so they maybe the blinders open up or they get a new perspective on wait a minute i don't have to stay here right like, i don't have to physically mentally financially spiritually emotionally stay in this place mm. even if i take a tenth of a step that's movement right, right? and then another tenth of a step 
so I, I try to share my story in that way that is um, it's okay for you to try to figure it out but at some point you have the strength to to, to, to write that story to rewrite that story mm, that's so good this is so good Julius okay that's you dropping DMs I love to see it our first male guest okay let me ask you about trauma because you just talked about trauma and I'm going to talk about it in the aspect of black people and the trauma that we face, because I feel like we all, we didn't grow up the same, but we have these similarities where it's like, what, you went through that? I did too. Or you experienced that. So did I. How can we black people not allow our trauma to dictate how we walk through life? how we show up how can we as black people not allow our trauma to dictate how we show up hmm. what are your thoughts because we yeah, have some trauma <laughs> we do in individual collective yeah. trauma yeah. Is, is compounding and complex S doing the work on self mm. and a lot of the, the the classes that we're in and the sessions that we facilitate I see a common thread and theme is folks can, they can identify their traumas and you, and folks can do a lot of the, wow, me too. Yeah. My, my cousin was shot. My grandma passed away. I lost this job because, because of racism. They can, we could, we could do that. Right. And, 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 and provide that support. It's different kind of work to do the in, the internal exploration though, right? I can do the external stuff, but now when I have to say, okay, what are, what are my triggers and how do I manage those triggers when I'm triggered? When, when something happens that reminds me of my trauma, what can I do? Who can I lean on? What resource can I tap into to help me get some clarity to get grounded and then respond in a way that is mentally, emotionally, and spiritually healthy for me versus responding in a way that a, a lot of us have just become accustomed to responding to trauma with trauma, with, with, a, tra with an, a, a traumatic response, a response that further traumatizes ourselves. Right. Because it's, and that isn't a, a blaming or a shaming. It's just about getting that that awareness and being like, oh wait a minute, I've been I know this feeling. Right. I know I know I'm starting to think about this and it's starting to take me to a place. Mm -hmm. Let me let me work on some grounding stuff. Maybe it's some deep breathing. Maybe it's some meditating. Maybe it's picking up the phone and calling somebody. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it is some of those those kind of self care things. Right. But having that awareness mm. and being able to for lack of better words, stop, stop and silence what's happening around you mm -hmm. and just get, get in touch with self in that moment. Cause that's what I, what me, I'll, I'll speak from, from the place of I again, in my executive role, sometimes I'll be in a meeting and somebody will say something and I'm like, I wonder if they can see what I'm feeling right, right. now. Right. I hope they can't because I'm triggered all the way. And we got, this meeting just started three minutes ago. I can't leave the meeting, right? So now I've got to take a step back. I've got to uh, challenge my self-talk. So just because 
uh, let me let me let me get this these words right. Just because there are thoughts doesn't mean that they're right. So I might think now your feelings right. You you feel something and you know you want to challenge that too. Why am I feeling this? Where are these feelings coming from? But sometimes me, I think, well, it's my thought. I'm it's my thought, so I'm gonna hold on to it. But I could be thinking, Julius, you're not enough. Julius, your trauma owns you. Julius, you will never accomplish what you want to accomplish. And then I'm then I'm just like, that's my reality. Or I can say, I hear you. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that out and I'm gonna put that on this table. I'm gonna just step back for a minute and say, no, I'm no, that's not me. Right. That's not me. Nope, that's not me either. I am triumphant. I am, you know, a good friend. I am a good uncle. I'm I'm a I'm a capable and worthy executive and let that be my narrative. So that individual work, we have to be invested in that particularly as black people. You got to invest in you got to We know what's happening outside of us and we got all the recommendations for for everything that's happening in the outside world and not not as much on the on the internal stuff. Lord, you you you've given us some word today. What are three things that we should look for or identify within ourselves to say, okay, you may need to not on Google, right? Not self-diagnosing, but what are what are three things that we should look for that would indicate we need to seek medical attention for our mental health? Yeah, good question. Um, I would say if, if there's a an ongoing and chronic sense of like helplessness or mm-hmm. hopelessness where you're just like, it's not gonna change. There's mm-hmm. nothing I can do about it. And you start to think about ways of escaping. Of I, I gotta get, I gotta get away from all this, right? Cause that can then lead you to starting to have thoughts where you question your self-worth and, mm-hmm. and your, 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 your value and your dignity as a human. So really be be intentional about um, I, being able to identify when you're experiencing feelings of helplessness or hopelessness and having some sort of plan in place to help you get the appropriate resources. So it may not be when I'm in that place, mm-hmm. it's difficult. It's extremely difficult for me, Julia, to get up out of that place. Right. Well, I need to. My wife knows when I'm when I'm struggling. She knows how to provide the support to me, and I will admittedly say um, I need to do a better job of having the 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 folks that I consider to be family and friends around me to know. Hey, if I'm if I reach out and I say I'm struggling, or check in with me more often, like I I need to have that network of people around me more. So um, being able to self-identify if you're feeling helpless or hopeless, and have some sort of plan to help you navigate that and kind of rise up out of that. That's one thing I would say if you, you start to experience those those feelings and emotions. Um, a second thing I would say, um, it goes into number one, mm-hmm. putting together some kind of a support plan or crisis plan or 
something that's literally on paper or on your phone or on a note on your phone that literally has um, who to contact whenever you're in this crisis mode, who makes you feel better, what songs do you want to listen, need to listen to to help help you sort of rise out of that, um, that current state or mood that you're in? Because again, in those moments, you're not always thinking clearly right. when it happens. So if you have something, all right, I got this on my refrigerator, I got this on my phone, it's in a note, I can easily access it or somebody else around me that I trust mm-hmm. can easily access it and say, hey, you remember what you said when you go through this situation, right. here's what you need to do, right? Or right. Here, here's your uh, therapist information to be able to set up some kind of uh, emergency conversation with them. So right. having that plan, I think is important. Um, it, it's more than a self-care plan. I think it's more comprehensive and holistic. Right. So it has some crisis stuff in it. It has some self-care stuff in it. And, it, and it's all in one easily accessible place. Right. Um, That's good. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Okay, no, that's really good. And I want to talk a little bit about, um, before we wrap up, you talked about your wife and your inner circle. How important is it for, if you're experiencing anxiety, you may not be experiencing like, you know, bipolar or having mental health to that level, um, at high level, but you may be experiencing anxiety or you may be experiencing a low rate of depression. How important is it to have that circle um, where people know, like where you can go, like you talked about your wife, how, you know, you can go to her or your group and say, hey, checking in, I need somebody. How important is it to have people around that know you're experiencing, you know, some things and hey, be available if I need you. How important is that? So important. Um, It's it's really the heartbeat of the work that I do and the work that we do. Um, it's it's neighborhood based, it's community based, and what ends up happening is right. These folks they go through these groups and these sessions together over years. There's one group that's been together for almost two years, so now they've got 23 people in the group. Uh-huh. So when something happens with one of their group mates, uh-huh. somebody is like post something on social media where you're like something. When was the last time somebody spoke with? Miss Tammy, because Miss Tammy posted something, and then they coalesce, and right. they've been they've been supporting Miss Tammy for eighteen months, and they know her triggers, they know her support group, they know when to contact her, they know how to contact her. But in that moment, Miss Tammy is like, I don't know what to do, but does right. she have people wrapping around her? And without that consistent um, fellowship. And, and co-learning and love and trust building that doesn't happen so that it doesn't have to be 23 people it, right. if it's one other person one person that you can have those honest conversations with um and who is invested in your wellness and well-being right. all you need is one other person to be able to lean on and tap into and that that, that could literally save your life for their, for their life too Wow, that's really important. I think that, that that's what stuck out to me when you talked about your wife and your inner circle. I was like, I think that that's important, at least to have, like you said, one person where you can call, almost like growing up in the community, you know, if you needed the neighbor looking out for you across the street, if your mom wasn't home. Um, what is your hope, Julius, as we, again, transition 
you know, into a world post-pandemic, as we transition into a world where we hope less Black bodies are being gunned down at the hands of the police, just as we move to a new normal, what is your hope for mental health in all of this? Wow. That every single person, uh, particularly Black folks, mm -hmm. is, is championing mental health mm -hmm. to some degree and saying, you know what, uh, it is okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. And we're not shaming or right. guilting other people whenever they show that level of vulnerability. And, and, we're, and we're saying, hey, you can pray too and try mm -hmm. some therapy too. Yes. Can, but they both can't coexist. And I would even argue and say should coexist at the same time. Because mm -hmm. there are things you're going to get from uh, minister and pastor and uh, 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 elder and sister from church, right? That you're not going to get from your therapist and vice versa. But if you can now have these two healing agents in your life that you can consult with and you can get information and guidance and spiritual and emotional support from mm -hmm. simultaneously, you, you can be unstoppable with that. And if we have every single black person embracing that, mm -hmm. I'm going to take care of my own, my mental health and wellness, and I'm going to be proactive about that journey. I mean, like, <laughs> imagine like if everybody was doing that and right. being, being active in their own mental health and wellness process. Right. That would be unbelievable. Wow. That, this was, this was very good, Julius. Thank you so much for breaking things down for us. I wish we had more time. Um, where can people find you on social media? Talk to them about your uh, nonprofit and, you know, the work that you guys are doing and how they can access that work as well. Yeah. So um, I have the most engagement on Instagram. So we've been talking about that today um, at the Black Mental Health Guy. Um, please follow me. Uh, I do follow back and I engage with folks. So I try to share, uh, you know, mental health jewels and life jewels with mental health in mind. So it's not just for black people. It does center black people, um, but you can be from all, all different walks of life. Um, still smiling is the organization still S T E E L smiling P G H dot O R G. Um, one, plug I do want to give is that we have what's called uh, the Black Mental Health Fund. And we have uh, we got a little bit of money, not a lot of money, but uh, enough where folks started to reach out to us from, um, it started in just Pittsburgh. We said, Pittsburgh, we got some money for Black people. If you're having trouble paying for therapy, we can help you pay for therapy so you can get the support that you need. People from Texas, Florida, Georgia, all over the country started reaching out saying, all this stuff is happening. I don't really know how to deal with it. I know I need therapy and I need help paying for it. Wow. So if you are watching this and you are one of those folks, or if you know somebody who needs support, go to our website. You can message me on, on Instagram. Um, we're still smiling PGH on IG. If you message us or email us on our website, we will follow up and we will do our very best to get you connected with those resources because no black person should not get therapy if they can't afford it. We, we don't, we don't, we, we, if we can, we want to eliminate that, that obstacle for folks. 
Wow, that is so good. And I'm going to have this uh, in the link and under the link when I share and uh, post everything. Thank you so much, Julius. Before you go, you have to play a little rapid fire, a little fun, so you can loosen your shoulders a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So what do you do on your off days? Wow. Um, I'm, I love music. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out what... Uh, I'm listening to J. Cole right now. So I'm like, whatever, yeah. whatever uh, latest rap album came out, I'm listening to it. I'm reading all the articles about it. And I just, I bought, that's part of my therapy, listening to music. Dream guest at your dinner party. Oh, Barack Obama. Ah, okay. And me too. I'm coming. I'm not your dream guest, but I'm coming, <laughs> I'm coming too. Um, what are you watching? What are you streaming right now? What are you watching on TV? Oh, wow. What are we watching? Um, what is it called? Uh, uh, mayor of, uh, I can't even remember the full name of it, but it's a show about a woman who's like a detective and she's got all this messy stuff going on in her life. Uh, mayor of like Edgetown or something. Oh, like I think that. I'm, so, oh, Stumptown. Is it Stumptown? I think I know what you're talking about. No, uh, we might be thinking of something different. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it's, okay. It's, it's based in uh, the, 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 like filmed in Pennsylvania, so. That's um, why you know, I've, been, I've been watching that. What would you be doing if you weren't the black mental health guy? Same thing. I still be, um, you know, ministering and showing up for people to just embrace their life journey and try to be their best selves. Right. What brings you joy? Sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> you brought us joy today, Julius. Thank you so much for joining the Undone Podcast. You dropped so many gems. I know you're going to help some people. You helped me. So um, thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing for Black people. Just in general, thank you for the work. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And tell your wife I said hello. Thank you for letting us borrow you. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. Julius. Bye-bye.